Welcome to Mother and More, a podcast with Caitlin Soule, cognitive behavioral therapist and mama to three kiddos. I am passionate about helping people make change and find the courage to heal and get comfortable living with uncertainty and imperfection. I'm on a mission to normalize mental health and to talk about motherhood in a way that's real, helpful, and honest. In my journey to doing so, I'll share stories from my own life and things that I teach my clients in my clinical practice in hopes to inspire you to lean into this life a little more, deal with the hard stuff, and revel in the beauty that is this messy life. Cheers. Hey there, I'm so excited for today's session. Session? Oh gosh, it does feel like a session for today's episode. I'm going to be answering questions uh, that my Instagram followers sent in via direct message and email. If you want to send in questions from your life or even just thoughts or comments you might have on therapy or parenting or mental health or mental wellness, you can send them to me at Caitlin, K-A-I-T-L-I-N, at Petaluma, C-B-T dot org, or DM me on my Instagram page, which is at mother underscore more. While this clearly isn't a replacement for therapy, even though I called it a session in the beginning, I love answering your questions because it opens the window to let people in to the world of therapy and also to let people know that they're not alone in their struggle. They're not alone in the questions they have about love, life, mental health, parenting, whatever it may be. I see it often, both in myself, the people I love and admire, my own family, the clients I work with, the sort of subconscious belief that we're on an island, that we're tasked with solving our problems by ourselves, that we are somehow weaker for needing or wanting guidance or validation. When we act from that belief though, we are limited. We feel stuck, isolated, and oftentimes as though we're drowning underneath the weight of it all. It wasn't meant to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Talk to a therapist, talk to a friend, a family member, a mentor, talk to anyone. Reach out, get out of your own head. There's so much knowledge, wisdom, inspiration, and support available to us if we just seek it out. The last thing I'll say before I go into tackling these questions is that therapy isn't just for those in dire need or for those who are really mentally ill or sick but it's also for those who want to get off that island, for those that are brave enough to start their journey towards wellness, towards healing, towards getting the courage they need to go for their dreams, personal development, growth, whatever. Therapy can be hard, yes, because we're facing stuff like thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that usually we have spent so much time stuffing down. But therapy can and oftentimes is fun, uplifting, and you get to leave that space feeling more heard, more integrated, more whole, just more you. And that's beautiful. Okay, so here we go. First question. Dear Caitlin, I saw your post on mom guilt. Mm -hmm. I did post about mom guilt. And it made me think about my own guilt. I struggle with it often, and I'm trying to find more ways to balance time with family, time for work, time for myself, and for my husband. Any tips for me beyond what you posted? This question is very timely for me and so many women in my life. Mom guilt. I feel like I could grab coffee with you and talk and just go on and on about this topic, but you asked for tips, so here it goes. 
I want to be totally transparent and say all the things I'm going to suggest or talk about here are the same things I'm actually working on in my own life. Whether you're a full-time working mom, a stay-at-home mom, a part-time mom, a side hustle mom, working on a business model mom, working on a dream mom, I can pretty much guarantee that you felt some level of mom guilt or stared on your kid 24 hours a day, mom. I forgot to add that. I bet you're still feeling mom guilt. (laughs) And here's why. Think about it. These babies are literally a part of us. And then they're born and out in the world, like signifying our heart outside of our body. So it's no wonder we have a whole lot of connection, feeling, and confusion, not around our love for them, but around how to love them and ourselves as separate entities. Maybe mom guilt is a growing pain, a part of learning to separate a little bit. Maybe it gets better as we grow in this journey of being being parents. I heard somebody say, you were somebody before you were their mom. Let me say that again. You were somebody before you were their mom and that person matters. I agree with that. But what I want to add to that is who you are becoming now now that you are their mother, matters, and that person is multifaceted, strong, a master of multitasking, brave, and so worthy of going towards the things that light you up, all the things that make you feel alive. I don't have a magic answer when it comes to the balancing act. In fact, I really struggle with it, and I think the word balance is loaded and sometimes used in our culture as another like crappy way to make women feel like they should be doing a better job. I do believe in setting up your days in a way that are structured so that you can protect time for all the things that are important to you. That is what I'm working on right now, just to be totally transparent. You know, when you go into an office every day for work, your time is pretty much already protected, at least that time at work. I'm not saying it's easy um, or better or worse. It's just that's the way it is. You go into an office, it's a physical place, and you have set hours usually. Um, But when you work from home or part-time or maybe you're going to school, working on building a business or whatever it is, you have to make time to protect, you know, make time and protect time for it. I know that when I feel my worst is when I'm trying to do all these things at once, like spend time with my kids while responding to emails from clients or updating my social media or scheduling sessions writing treatment plans, podcasting. Well, usually I can't do that with kids. But anyway, I'm fully aware that when I'm doing that, I'm only like giving half-ass effort to both of those things or all of those things. And when I really think about it, it's not that I actually feel guilty for the work I do. I feel proud of what I do. I love what I do. But I do feel guilty when I've got my hands in too many things at once and I feel like I'm not actually doing my best at anything. So here's what I'm trying for what it's worth, and maybe you could try it too. I start by dividing up my time, the time in the day, for the three most important things to me. Like what do I want to give my time to today, or who do I want to give my time to? For me, it comes down to this. My family, my kids and my husband, my work, myself, my body, my physical and spiritual health. Um, Not necessarily in that order, it's just kind of how I came up with it. I really think it should be myself, my family, and my work if I'm really putting it in order because um, you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you're not taking care of yourself, the kids suffer, your partner suffers, and your work suffers. 
So since my kids are still young enough that they aren't in full-time school, this can be a tricky thing and each day looks a little different. Um, it might look like while the baby's napping, trying to use, you know, the first couple hours, you know, he naps for about two hours. So the first time to clean up the house, get, you know, reduce some of the morning chaos and the second hour to get some work done and some creative projects. Those are the days that I'm not in the office seeing clients. So this might look like, yeah, like creative projects, writing, podcasting, emails, etc. Then 1230 rolls around and it's time to pick up the kids. While they're having quiet time, I get to kind of wrap up on whatever stuff I need to around the house. And then the rest of the afternoon is spent doing something intentional with them. Bedtime comes around and it's time for me and my husband. We actually are pretty regimented about sleep with our kids and early bedtime because all of us are happier when they get good sleep and we get time for each other and good sleep as well. On full days of work, like seeing clients, my intentional time with them is in the morning and the evening, and that's okay. So you may have noticed that the thing I left out is time for myself. Well, because that's the part I'm always trying to kind of figure out. I bet you are too. One time, one thing I'm trying to do is get up earlier to make time for working out, moving my body, or journaling, just doing something that's only for me, for my mental and you know physical and spiritual health. I'll let you know when I get better at that. And I'll let you know when I figure that one out. I know it's important, but it's, it's a work in progress. But if you thrive on structure and regiment, this will make a lot of sense to you. It's just like looking at that calendar and just literally putting in blocks of time for the three things or the three things, places, or people you want to spend your time that day. If you're like me and find ways to bend structure or resist it, but also kind of like it, like you live more in the gray and less in the black and white, then spending some time like the day or night before setting up intentional time for the most important things to you will at least make space for them. Like If I don't put it in my calendar, it's not going to happen. And so I used to be, I put this expectation on myself to like, um, to look at my calendar on a Sunday and plan out my whole week. Well, I try, but that doesn't always happen. So if I can at least look at my calendar the night before and look at my next day, then I can actually um, set up some time for the three things that are most important. Lastly, I'm gonna leave you with two thoughts. First, be easy on yourself. Extend some grace for the mom you are, the sacrifices you make, the way you light up their little eyes, Being a parent is not an easy gig and there's no rule book, but the best way to judge how you're doing is by looking at your kids. How do they respond to the world? Are they happy? Sure, not always. Are they silly? Do they play? Do they feel loved? Do they tell you they love you? Of course they do. You're doing great, mom. Just the fact that you're asking such questions show that you care a whole lot. Second, I want you to try and think of this guilt like a wave. And when you feel it come on, ride it out. Then, like I'll always say, work on changing your script a bit and change your thoughts to more helpful and balanced ones. Tell yourself the truth, that you're doing your best, that happy parents make happy kids, that kids benefit when they learn from other trusted adults, and that they do not benefit from us staring them down 24-7. Keep doing your best and allow the guilt to wash over and make room for all the possibilities, all the life waiting for you when you're ready to let go of the guilt, or at least live with the guilt a little bit, with a little bit more ease. All right, I know I talked a lot about that. I think I should do a whole podcast episode on mom guilt. Question two, 
Do you have any tools or ideas for dealing with toxic people that you can't remove from your life? How can I set up tangible boundaries to protect myself and my family from their negative energy? Oh, this is a good one. As I think so many people have similar dilemmas and don't know what to do about it. It's hard when a family member or members are toxic or overly negative because you feel so much more guilt around setting up boundaries and and it's actually harder to cut them out of your life. Like if it were a friend, you're much more likely to say like, hey, I don't need this and separate. But I'm going to tell you what you already probably know. Set these boundaries anyway. What are the things you value most for your family? Think of them, write them down, talk about them, make it your mission to live into those values every day. While you're doing that, I believe you will feel more confident in your choice to set and keep those boundaries. Like think about what it means for your well-being and the well-being of your kids if you don't set those boundaries. Family can be our greatest source of joy and also our greatest source of pain. That's just the truth. If you really feel that you can't remove them from your life, no judgment, or you don't want to, then you need to be really firm in your boundaries. This might look like doing your best to only meet them outside of your home, like at the zoo with the kids or a restaurant, somewhere where there are distractions and other things to get busy doing. If they are kind of coming into your space, like sending you emails or texts and using harsher pointed words and you start to feel that negativity creeping in, you get to choose to be brave and do one of two things. Don't open the text, don't respond to the email, or say stop, I don't like the words you're using, this is not how we speak to each other in my family, and then walk away. You would be surprised at how well most, at how well most people react to boundary setting. You'll get some pushback at first, but stick with it. Do not engage in their negativity, arguments, and don't defend yourself. Meaning, don't engage, right? And feeling like you have to like go back and defend yourself. The best way to defend yourself is to actually just not get involved. This isn't easy, but it's doable. You can do hard things. So next time they're at a family party or you see them, Enter into that space knowing that you're going to do you. You're going to act in line with your values and not engage in their negativity. Don't let them kind of like knock you off um, the place you want to be. Don't let them, I don't know how else to say that, but yeah, don't let them um, deviate you from the things that you value and the things that you really believe in. I hope this helps. I know it's a hard one. It sounds like you know what you need to do, but you're just having a hard time following your gut. So follow that gut. Okay. Question three. I had a traumatic event happen a few years ago, and while I didn't think I needed help back then, I'm starting to wonder. I'm having bad dreams, memories, and images that I've tried to stuff down, and I get a lot of anxiety when I'm faced with reminders or fear in general. I am nervous that therapy might make me have to face it more, increase my anxiety, etc. I've been doing okay and I don't want to get worse. Also, if I do get therapy, what kind would be helpful? First, I want to tell you, you do not have to struggle alone. There are all kinds of mental health professionals trained in ways to help you heal from trauma. It is a harmful myth that therapy will make trauma worse. Will there be points where you have to face difficult things? Yes, absolutely. But as one of my mentors says, 
I promise it won't be harder than the thing you actually walked through. I promise that treatment will not be harder than actually experiencing the trauma. You deserve the chance to get help. You don't deserve to wonder or to sit in suffering. Obviously, I don't know the details of the trauma you experienced, but it sounds like you're having some of the trademark symptoms of PTSD, including flashbacks, intrusive memories, anxiety, hypervigilance. I use an analogy to describe to my clients what treating trauma does for their brain, and it goes like this. When we experience a traumatic event, one person may go on to develop PTSD, while another may not, even if they went through the same event. There are a lot of risk factors that can determine whether or not someone will go on to develop a trauma disorder, but the result is that the memory of the event is organized in your brain in a way that is not conducive to healing. So going into my analogy, that was my explanation of how trauma, how a trauma disorder develops, but going into my analogy, I want you to think of a cabinet with glass cups stored in it. Now visualize the glass cups as memories. When the event happened, it's like the memories, in this case the glass cups, just got shoved in there, disorganized and all over the place. Each time that cabinet opens, a glass or two falls out, breaking on the floor, causing this domino effect of thoughts and feelings and chaos. The work of trauma therapy is to go back and help you restore those cups in a way that's more organized, thoughtful, so that they don't come crashing out the next time the cabinet opens. When you're healing from trauma or have healed from trauma, you get to open the cabinet, see the cups, deal with the feelings, and then close it again without all the fallout. Okay, sorry, I'm not gonna lie. I had a little coughing attack there and had to press stop and start again. So going back to the question on trauma, I recommend that you do the work of healing. Find a therapist who is trained in treating trauma. This is critical. Don't just um, go to any therapist. Make sure you do some research. Cognitive processing therapy, prolonged exposure therapy, EMDR are all really good evidence-based practices for treating trauma. Okay, last question. Dear Caitlin, I saw on your website that you also work with children. I have a six-year-old son who is really testing us lately. He's a smart kid who does a lot of acting out. I feel guilty because I feel like I spend most of my time getting frustrated with him, putting him on timeouts, yelling at him, threatening to take things away, etc. He is full of energy and can also be really loving. I have thought about therapy for him, but I don't want him to feel like there's something wrong with him or get a label. What do you suggest? Okay, so it isn't easy raising kids, let alone raising little ones when they're struggling with um, acting out behaviors. Of course, acting out, pushing boundaries, testing limits, etc., can be developmentally normal and is developmentally normal. But if your child is disruptive, extremely disruptive, argumentative, aggressive, oppositional, that definitely needs to be addressed by a doctor or a mental health professional. Because what I really want you to know is that you don't have to do this alone, first of all, and that it's not an indication of your ability to parent, okay? Next, I want to ask you, what is holding you back from getting him professional help? It sounds like you might be worried about stigma or his own beliefs about himself needing to get help. But here's what I hope you will hear when I say, 
Kids do not like feeling out of control of their emotions or body. They crave structure, guidance, and sometimes they need a little extra help. And sometimes parents need extra help on parenting kids like this. So you're doing it for them, not to them, okay? This doesn't mean that your child is destined to become a criminal or isn't smart or anything like that. In fact, most of these most of the time, these kids with the right help and guidance are more able to shine because their negative behaviors aren't getting in the way of all the good stuff they do and all their potential. I would search for a therapist in your area who is certified in PCIT, which is Parent-Child Interactive Therapy, and it's highly effective. Um, it was originally designed to treat children ages 2 through 8. So you didn't say how old he is, but if he's in that... Um, age range, I really recommend PCIT. Um, it's designed for children with disruptive or externalizing behavior problems. That looks like hitting, kicking, spitting, biting, defiance. Through PCIT, parents learn to bond with their children and develop more effective parenting styles and better meet their children's needs. You can also ask your doctor for some help finding a treatment plan that will work for you. Um, I want to add, take them to the doctor to rule out any medical or organic causes for the behavior. Um, I actually had an experience with, or have experience with this. Uh, my daughter has sleep apnea, obstructive sleep apnea, and we were mainly noticing disruptive sleep, but um, after the surgery, we realized that a lot of her hyperactivity and um, like inability to sit still has gotten so much better so it's really important especially if you mention like high energy and some hyperactivity that you rule out something like sleep apnea or another organic medical cause so moral of the story is see your doctor look for a therapist you do not have to be on an island on this i'm going to say it again you don't have to go through it alone you don't have to deal with doubting every parenting decision you make or feeling like you're a failure because you're not there are professionals ready, willing, and waiting to help wonderful parents like you. Like I said in the beginning, the beauty of asking these questions and me getting to share my perspective on them is that together we're helping to help people access information about mental wellness and break the stigma of getting help. Oftentimes we invest time and energy in hiding a problem Often, or oftentimes we invest more time and energy in hiding a problem than we do actually dealing with it. Everybody is capable and worthy of getting the help or guidance they need to live their best life. Reach out, talk, be the one to courageously and lovingly call out a problem when you see it. Then take the next step and get help or offer ways to get someone else help or access care. Thank you guys for listening and please keep sending in your questions. If you like what you heard, share my podcast with a friend, subscribe on iTunes and share it on social media. I hope you can go forward today honoring your strength, your heart and your ability to do hard things so that you can live your very best life. Cheers.